0: Yes, I'm aware of the time. Don't panic, all right? So take your Bible turn to Galatians chapter six, and while you're turning there, I'll share a testimony from Miss Judy Spain. She uh, texted a testimony in. Scripture says, Matthew 8:20, "For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I am thankful that for my salvation and for Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, it is a privilege and honor uh, to attend." and be a part of such a wonderful church, and something, and let's see, and something we should never take for granted. So, yeah, amen. So, thank you, Miss Judy. Appreciate that. Uh, She's watching online. She was here this morning. It was good to see her out and about this morning. All right, so I know the time, so I may as well just go ahead and get this. I've got to tell you a couple of stories that happened uh, this week that and so I already got a text from Todd saying, you know, you're getting old when you tell the same story. He was talking about the glue thing, I think. But anyway, um, I had to keep sharing it because I just it keeps getting added, too. But uh, so your pastors went out to uh, lunch this week. Uh, they were doing a great job. I was so proud of them because they decided to go out and they were going to help people shovel sidewalks. And they took the snowblower. And I was so proud of them they were going to go get some lunch and uh, then be back. And I get this call, Pastor, uh, we forgot our wallets. They had already ordered, and uh, so somebody has to come and buy lunch for them. Okay, I was like, guys, if you just wanted me to buy lunch, I'd have gone with you. But anyway, that was that was fun, and uh, uh, I, I won't give you the names of these people. But uh, so there's a there's a house over here on Five Points that has is gated, a beautiful home right there on Five Points, just just uh, north of Stop Eleven, and so. Um, some people decided to go out on visitation, they're going to visit that house, so they ring the the gate bell, and they ring the gate bell two or three times, and while they're standing there, the gate opens. And so they park their car, the gate opens. So then they go in, and they ring the doorbell, and no one comes, and they ring the doorbell, and no one comes, and as they're ringing the doorbell for the third time, the gate closes. <laughs> so they're in the gate, the car's outside the gate, praise the Lord, at least the car's outside the gate, so... Uh, So you would have been proud to see Southeast Baptist climbing back over the fence. (laughs) Oh my, it was just one of those weeks. But anyway, praise the Lord for it. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at the who, the why, the warning, and the well-being concern that is found in this passage. And we're going to do it quickly. Uh, I'll be done in 15 minutes if you'll listen for 15 minutes, all right? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye who are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And we talked about this next verse this morning. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, as we look at this passage together, help us to grow in your grace through it. Help us to recognize our role and how we ought to step in into people's lives and, and just give us the boldness and the courage to do so, and we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at the who," in these first two verses, who is this verse addressed to? or who are these verses addressed to? Be more specific. Be more specific. Ye who are spiritual. Right? Would you agree that? It's not addressed to the guy who's having problems. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, this is not addressed to him. But it is addressed to everyone who then would count themselves as spiritual. Now, the Bible doesn't go on to give us a great... Uh, You know definition of who that is other than if you follow the actual flow of the verse Who is the spiritual person? What does it? What does it mean to be spiritual? It means to step into someone's life and help them When they're having problems, right? Brethren if a man be overtaken with a fault ye who are spiritual step in and restore Such an one now this concept of restoration does not, you and I don't have the power to make it as if nothing happened, right? It does not mean that we can back up time and just pretend that nothing happened, uh, but it does mean that we are to restore that person to our fellowship and to, the fellowship, to fellowship with the Lord. We can't, we can't work backward. I can't undo anything, right? I can't undo it. So the restoration process is not a matter of undoing, but it is a matter of bringing that, helping that person to come back into a right relationship with the Lord. So the idea is this person is overtaken in a fault. It's this person who is stumbling. It's quite honestly just pick somebody in this room. We've all been there at some point or another, right? And if you don't think you have, then you need to keep reading the verse, Because that's exactly what the whole point of this is going to be. Uh, We're all all struggling with our flesh. That's what Galatians has all been about, right? We're all struggling with our flesh. And so when our flesh gets the better of us, it is not for God's people to point and shame and shun, but to step in. Ye who are spiritual, restore such an one. Uh, it, it is difficult for us to deal with in these, to deal with this sometimes because it is our nature to gossip about it. Right? Can you believe brother so and so did that? Can you believe she said that? Can you believe they acted that way? Can you believe the attitude they had? And it's our nature to. To do the one thing that God is going to tell us we ought not to do in this passage. It is our nature to compare ourselves to ourselves and get ourselves in trouble. It is our nature to say, wow, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I didn't do that. I'm glad I don't have that problem. That's our nature, but God is going to encourage us, rather than acting upon our old nature, to do what his nature would do. When everybody else steps away, God steps in. And you who are spiritual, restore such an one. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He goes on then in verse 3. Uh, this is the why. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. By the way, the message is still to who? The spiritual one. Exactly. He hasn't shifted gears and all of a sudden started talking about the man overtaking in a fault. He is saying to you who are spiritual, here's why you ought to be willing to step in, because but for the grace of God, there go we, right? But for the grace of God, there go we. And he's literally saying, if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, or the idea is, put your own life to the test. Rather than worrying about putting everybody else's life to the test. Is their haircut right? Are they wearing the right things? Are they saying the right words? Are they carrying the right Bible? Are they going the right places? And we, we get so busy testing everybody else's work that we forget that our job is to test our own, right? To make sure that we're doing the right thing. So when we have this opportunity to step into someone else's life, it's a great opportunity for self-reflection, Lest we think too highly of ourselves. Lest we think that we are something when we are nothing and we deceive ourselves. For every man shall bear his own burden. this seems almost, um, it's like an oxymoron, right? It says in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens. It says in verse 5, every man shall bear his own burden. Hello? Which is it? Do we bear each other's burdens or do we bear our own? So what do you think? What's God trying to say to me? Say it again. You do both. Here's the reality. No matter how many people come alongside to help bear your burden, it's still your burden, right? You are going to bear it. And no, it's not like it gets taken away from you. You're going to bear it. So when we mess up, we mess up, and, and it's ours to bear. But you know, other people can come in, and by being that one who is spiritual, can lighten that load and can help people get over the hurdle. By the way, if we wrote everybody off who struggles with their, fat, their flesh, if we kicked them all out of church, I, you wouldn't even have a preacher. You understand how this works? I mean, none of us would be here. Uh, we, we exist because we're willing to step into people's lives in spite of it being messy. And bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ and helping to restore and bringing people back to where God would have them to be. Let him that is taught, verse 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So, you know, here's what God is literally saying here. Okay, in all this process, you've been being taught. Now you're this spiritual one. It is time for you to communicate and. When you do that, when you step into someone else's life, you are literally saying to your teachers, you did a good job. I've learned a lesson. There's nothing that makes a prouder parent than for their kids to go out and do right. John put it this way, the Apostle John, when he says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. Right? That's... That's, and that's what it's saying here. If you've been taught, then communicate that back to your teachers. Show your teachers, I've learned this lesson, and I haven't learned it because I can regurgitate its truth. Not that I'm, I'm the one assigning you that uh, regurgitation over there, Pastor, or pastor De- Dennis. Well, you might be a pastor someday. So, Brother Dennis, uh, you know, I, I am, uh, I'm the one, uh, I, I think memorizing scripture is great, but it's not enough just to be able to spit it back out. Right? It is to know that my children walk in the truth. It's when we take God's truth and we put the application in, then we know that that teaching has actually set in. And so he says, do your teachers a favor. Communicate unto them the things that you've been taught by putting it to work. And here's how it works. When you see somebody who's overtaken in a fault, ye who are spiritual, restore such an one. Literally, the Apostle Paul uh, in Romans... We looked at it this morning, I don't remember what verse it was, but it's that verse that said, you know, I am confident that you are able to admonish one another, right? I'm paraphrasing it. That's where where the Apostle Paul was saying it. And the idea is that, you know, when you come to pastor and say, pastor, would you go and talk to so-and-so, the real question for your pastor, for your youth pastor, or for your parents is, why don't you go talk to them? This is what we've been teaching all along. And it's time for you to put to work the teaching, the truth that has been instilled in your heart. And I am confident that you are able to do this job. So it's not, okay, pastor, I wish you'd step into somebody's life. They've been overtaken in a fault. And no, that is part of my job. It is. But it's our job, right? Ye who are spiritual, restore such an one. This is what it's all about. We've been teaching and training for years and years and years for this very purpose. So when somebody finds himself in spiritual high water, that God's people would step in and work on that restoring such an one work on that bringing that person back into fellowship. And boy, there's just hardly anything better for a pastor, for a parent, for a teacher than when they see the truths that have been being taught Be put into work Then there's a warning given Verse 7 Be not deceived God is not mocked For whatsoever man soweth That shall he also reap Now this warning is It's stepping in here Okay, So is this now a warning to The one who is overtaken in a fault Or is this a warning To the spiritual one Who is stepping in to restore What do you think? I heard yes. And that would be a good answer because when is God ever mocked? When, when is it that a man doesn't reap what he has sown? So he is literally saying yes to this one who's overtaken in fault. You know what? There's going to be some repercussion. There is. This is the way it works. You reap what you sow. But he's also then saying to that one who's willing to step out and get their hands dirty by helping that person who's in need, saying, listen. You reap what you sow. And he goes on to describe that. For we sow to the flesh. We have the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow to the spirit. We have the spirit to reap life everlasting. It is a two-fold sword. Or a two-edged sword. Right? It works both ways. It's working for the one overtaken in a fault. And it's working for the one stepping in. And then it works for the opposite. If you're overtaken in a fault. Guess what? When you stop feeding the flesh and reaping and sowing to the flesh and start being restored by God, then you also have this promise that when you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap life. What a great promise it is. So it's a warning and a promise at the same time. It's a promise to the one who's stepping into your life that it's not going to be for naught. It's a promise to us To us, if we don't step into someone's life, if we sow to the flesh and say, I'm going to instead talk about them and gossip and look down and and live in fear, I don't want to get messy and sticky, then it's a warning to us. It's both a warning and a promise. And he gives it to us. And then the last thing, and he sums this all up with this phrase, and let us not be weary in well-doing. If you've ever had the wonderful privilege of stepping into someone's life and working to restore such an one. You know that there's as much discouragement as there is joy in it, at least for a while, right? Uh, It doesn't always work out wonderfully. Sometimes, I wonder how many times the prodigal son's father tried to step into his life to restore him to restore him and yet it took hitting rock bottom before he heard the message and it's not always it's easy to get weary in this task when we have children who have gone astray or family members who who have turned away from the Lord when we have church members who are who are discouraged about what God is doing and, and and we're struggling to try and help them and to restore them, and they're not always responding the way we would like for them to. And sometimes you just get tired. You do. It's not easy. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to throw in the towel, to call it quits. And yet God, in the middle of this work, in context, this verse is about you who are spiritual getting involved in restoring such an one. And he says to that spiritual one, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't give up. Don't quit. You know, when do we want God to quit on us? Think about this. You know, when do we, how long was it, how many times, how many of you got saved the very first time you heard the gospel? Very first time. Do we have, we have one person in here you got to say the very first time I heard the gospel. Aren't you glad God didn't quit? Aren't you glad God didn't grow weary in well-doing? That instead he kept sending people your way to tell you about the gospel. How many of you got saved? You can't, it was so many times hearing the gospel you don't even remember how many times it was. Take a look around. That's the majority of us. Right? I mean, I started going to church when I was 13, 12, 13, trying to get God to fix my family because my family was a wreck. And I was trying to get God to fix my family. I was bargaining with God. And then I got involved in the church. I, sang, I was sitting in the choir at church on a Sunday morning, June 5th, 1977, a long time ago. I was sitting in the choir, singing in the church choir. I was involved in stuff. And I heard the gospel yet again. And I knew I needed to respond personally and quit playing a game with God. And I am so glad that God did not grow weary and well doing as He worked for one, two, two and a half, three years in your pastor 's heart to get him to respond to the gospel. How many times did I hear it i don 't know, but so you and I who are going to step into people 's lives and we 're going to try and help them to understand the the direction that they 're going and and the difficulty the what they're about to reap as they are sowing to the flesh. And we're trying to get them to understand that. And we're working to restore such a one. It is so easy to grow weary in well-doing. Don't quit. Don't quit. For in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Father...